0: Max BMW Motorcycles Outfitting Adventure Rider since 2002. 45,000 parts and accessories online and ready to ship to your door. MAXBMW.com. They also have an e-rider newsletter you can sign up to for free. And they've got an online fiche that is fantastic for looking up parts. That's MAXBMW.com. Standing up while riding is a basic skill that, when mastered, will make you a more confident, comfortable, and skilled rider. Unfortunately, our brains are hardwired for certain responses that make us feel safe, even though they aren't in our best interest. Like, for instance, sitting down on the bike, almost every new rider will sit down immediately when the going gets rough and only feel comfortable standing when the riding is much easier. Now, the trick is to switch those automatic responses around. So instead of sitting when the going gets tough, you automatically stand Coming up today on our exclusive Rider Skills program, standing up on your pegs. I'm Jim Martin. This is Adventure Rider Radio. Stay with us; we got a good one for you. Hi, I'm Simon. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm a no one. No one. Hey. Son, I'm I'm Johnson. And you're, and you're listening to Adventure Rider Radio. Best Rest Products is where the number one tire pump in the business for us motorcyclists comes from. It's called the Cycle Pump. Made in the USA. has lifetime warranty. They also distribute the Google Tech filters for North America. Cyclepump.com. That's Cyclepump.com. Green Chili Adventure Gear, making American made heavy duty innovative luggage systems for all types of motorcycles. You can turn any dry bag into luggage using the strapping system. Um, great systems. Matter of fact, all the stuff they make is super tough. I've tried tons of it myself. The website, greenchiliadv.com. That's greenchiliadv.com. like us we're all hardwired rider skills is an exclusive program we developed here at adventure rider radio designed to give you the tools that can improve your riding skills both on and off road now of course this segment is not meant to be a substitute for professional training these are ideas and concepts that should you choose to try you're doing so at your own risk Now, for today's rider skills, we have Clinton Smout. Clinton heads up the Smart Adventures program at the Horseshoe Resort in Ontario, Canada. He's been teaching motorcycle riders for over 25 years now. He's a certified BMW off-road instructor. He's also certified in snowmobile and ATV instruction. As you walk around each day, you balance using your feet little minute automated muscle movements help you remain upright no matter which way that you happen to be tilted and that balancing skill allows you to sort of shift your weight for traction when needed for instance leaning forward if you were climbing a hill or backward when you're going downhill basically remaining upright and when you're on your motorcycle You need similar movements to keep yourself upright and balanced over the bike. It's part of what will give you the ultimate control of your motorcycle for slow speed maneuvering, in in particular with a heavy adventure bike. Now, there are many advantages to standing on your pegs for these slow speed maneuvers, and most, if not all, instructors would tell you that standing on your pegs will improve your control over the motorcycle dramatically. Clinton, welcome back to Adventure Rider Radio.
1: Thank you. Looking forward to this one. This is one of my favorite subjects.
0: Yeah, yeah, me too. Exactly. But you're getting ready to go on a trip, aren't you? I mean, you're changing tires for some sort of trip.
1: I am. My hands are filthy, but I'm putting new and last Capras. They're a very soft 50-50 tire onto a bike I'm lending to one of our instructors, an F800. And then I have an old GSA that I want to take to the Yukon. And when I bought it, it had a beautiful street tire. But I don't want to do the Dempster Highway if it's muddy
0: Mm.
1: without a pretty aggressive tire.
0: Right. So it's the Yukon.
1: Yeah, we're cheating though, Jim. We're going to put them on a big truck in Toronto. The truck leaves 10 days before we fly out. Uh, Then the bikes are unloaded. And we ride for eight days, so we'll see a bit of Alaska and all the big spots in the Yukon, the Dempster. And we're not sure if we'll get to Tuktoyaktuk because it might be snowing too much. But then we put them back on the truck and fly home. Mm. And the beauty of that kind of adventure tour is I'm not chewing up my tires making motel and fuel bills for eight days to get from Toronto to the Yukon, right. I
0: fly out. Right, and you're not missing an important part of no. your season too.
1: No, because I can't be away from work for three weeks. But one week, um, everything, all well, the staff would do fine without me, but I seem to think that I'm integral part of the business. I'm not really.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of like the movie star tour though, isn't it?
1: It really is. It's cheating. I love the adventure rider. They take their own little stove in the tent. I did that for many, many years. And I've been across Canada a few times. So I'm not going to miss that long ride across. It's 4,000 kilometers that I'd have to do. So this way, uh, cheating, I do it once a year with a bike shop in Brantford called Dual Sport Plus. And they organize it. There's 18 of us going. And I'm the sweep rider at the back with some tools and a first aid kit and a satellite phone. And uh, it's all motels. There's no camping. And all the meals are supplied, the transportation of my bike. And uh, the only cost would be your fuel.
0: So this is a guided so the tour case. they run sort of? And you're going as, as a guide, as yes, a sweep guide? Is. Oh, I see. Yeah.
1: I'm, I'm the guy at the back.
0: Right. Wow. Okay. Well, that's a, that's a nice mini vacation in a way, but you're still kind of working.
1: Yeah, kind of, but it'll be really fun.
0: Well, on to what we're talking about today, what you said you are excited about, and that is yes. standing up on the pegs. Why, why would you be excited about that?
1: Well, it's one of the lessons that I feel adventure bike riders need the most. Um, It's a little disconcerting if you've got a lot of street riding experience and then get in the dirt. Standing up is one of the hardest things for people to get comfortable with, but with a few tips and some practice, it's one of the easiest skills to attain. It's always a really happy lesson to teach because the smiles and the confirmation that it, wow, that really works. Those tricks were great. Thank you. So it's an exciting lesson to teach.
0: Well, I feel like I'm going to ask a question here, like, you know, what's the best oil to run or the best tire to run here, but I'm going to have to do this. Why should we stand? What does it do for us?
1: Well, the simplest thing is a street rider's already experienced it. You've gone over a speed bump. The front tire goes up in the air, but it doesn't really hurt. But if your butt is in the seat, or even worse, your poor passenger's butt is on the seat. When that back tire hits, it sends that shock wave up through the suspension into the spine, and that could be painful. It could even cause an accident. So when we're off-road, there's seldom perfect trails that are like pavement. They're rutted, there's rocks, there's roots, there's ruts. It's a little bumpier on gravel roads, especially coming up towards stop signs. There's those stutter bumps caused from breaking. Uh, corners often have ruts where water has washed away some of the lighter material. So if you go and try to do, you know, a fairly long day, 300 miles, 500 kilometers in the Yukon, that's all gravel and you stay with your butt in the seat, you're going to be way more fatigued than the rider who stands up periodically.
0: Okay. So, so, so there's the beating that your body would take um, because you know, you're, you're sitting right on the suspension. What about control?
1: Yeah, it's enhanced if you're standing. Now, not to get too technical, but the physics of it is manufacturers have tried to do something called mass centralization for decades so a motorcycle that has the engine down low with the head sticking out i'm thinking of my old bmws the airheads or the liquid cooled ones modern ones the weight is very low near the foot pegs which is the center of the bike between the axles if you can put the weight down there the motorcycle is much easier to handle now when we put our bodies on the motorcycle When you sit down with your butt on the seat, that's two and a half, three feet taller than the foot peg. So now the center of gravity is where your butt is sitting on the seat. You've changed it higher to the adverse of handling. So when we stand up with our feet on the pegs, our body mass and weight is down near the engine where it's supposed to be. And the bike will handle much, much better, especially when we get off-road into looser gravel, sand, mud. The purest that any off-road instructor will tell you is go through there standing up. There's very few instances when sitting is the appropriate place to be when we're doing extreme off-road.
0: Well, this is where I feel like I'm, I'm opening the can of worms because some people will say, well, wait a second here. When you stand up on your pegs, you're actually raising the center of gravity. You're making the, the whole uh, mass taller, therefore raising the center of gravity. But it also has to do with the fact that when you stand up on your pegs, and I'm looking for you to confirm this for me, Clinton, when you stand up on your pegs, you're allowing the bike to move underneath you to kind of do what it has to do without your body mass there restricting its movements. I mean, I'm trying to simplify this.
1: No, that's very true. An analogy would be watch a jockey in case there's any jockeys listening, they'll confirm it. Or maybe they've got into adventure riding. But a jockey will post. They stand up with a bent knee. Their whole body is trying to move with the horse, but their butt is never in the saddle on a racehorse because you're restricting the animal's movement in the gallop. You're an hindrance if you're sitting down on the horse's back, and it's very similar to a motorcycle. And if you're not believing it. Watch any coverage, YouTube or live, of Paris to Car Race, uh, a World Enduro, or a GS Challenge, which many countries of the world support. You're not going to see people sitting down much
0: Mm -hmm.
1: when they're Mm off-road. Trials riders, like there's no seat on the bike. You can't sit down.
0: That says it right there, there, doesn't it? it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's the epitome of slow speed control and balance with
0: the center of gravity down low. So without getting in and digging into whether it's raising the center of gravity, lowering the center of gravity or the center of mass, it doesn't matter. The, the fact of the matter is it yeah. works. We all know it works. Anyone who stands on their pegs and rides their bikes knows that it is paramount for slow speed control. Um, To allow the bike to move underneath you, it's more responsive. Your legs take up some of that uh, suspension. So they sort of extend your suspension. Because I know there's many times with my bike, if I'm sitting down, uh, my suspension can't handle it. But if I stand up, then my suspension can handle it because my legs become part of my suspension as I'm riding along. So we know this works. Exactly. You can teach that lesson. (laughs) (laughs) So now the next question, Clinton, is when should we stand?
1: Aha! Uh, We especially if you're following someone else and you see their helmet bobbing up and down, the bike starting to wobble. That's telling you that the terrain that you're approaching is going to get a little rough. There's some bumps or ruts or something. So watching what happens to the rider in front of you, with enough following distance behind them to react, is when we stand up. Or if the back of the bike starts hitting those bumps and coming up and hammering the spine. Or if you see your passenger, uh, their feet go by you as they fall off. That's probably a good time to stand up. It's gotten really bumpy. That's another indication.
0: So so you you sort of stand on demand. What what about the people who get up there and stand all day because they think it's an adventure bike and and they're going to ride, say, fire roads or or logging roads, whatever you want to call them, depends on where you live. Um, Those dirt roads... What what about that? Do we need to stand up then?
1: Well, it does, I think, depend on the terrain. I was talking to a friend of mine who did the Mongolian rally. Uh, He's done it for years, Lawrence Hacking. And he said that it's so flat, not very bumpy, if you pick the appropriate line, because there's no roads. You kind of make your own. He follows the sun. He's not a real GPS guy. He's hilarious. He'll say, Those are cumulus clouds, Clinton. That means the ocean's over there. And he's always right. But he said he stood up when he took off in the morning. He's got a monster gas tank. And he did the entire day standing up without his butt touching the seat. And he never put his foot down. But that was, you know, fifth, sixth gear, topped out racing a rally. But he's one of the best riders That I've ever met, I couldn't have lasted that long endurance-wise because I'm not as fit as Lawrence, even though he's older than I am. So just because someone else is standing up for four hours doesn't mean you should or could. Hmm. The terrain is what demands your stance.
0: Now, there's there's different ways to stand, of course, and and we're going to get into that. But if you were looking to stand all day, for instance, you wouldn't necessarily stand in the attack position, would you?
1: No. Um, What we teach beginner riders or adventure bike riders is we do it statically on the center stand or the side stand. Stand up with a pretty well straight leg, just as you would on the floor standing. Then bend the back a little, stick your butt backwards a bit, put your hands on the grips, and that's a good stance for endurance riding, for maintaining energy in your body with the minimum of muscle use. That's more or less not a straight leg, but just a little bit of a natural bend. Your feet, you're on the balls of your feet on the pegs, so not the middle of your boot, but more towards the toe. That's what we love for off-road because it allows the arch of the foot and the musculature in our feet to help us move up and down. And then we'll talk all about the proper perch, we call it. If you envision a bird on a branch or a wire, we want to be like a bird on a branch, our upper body very loose, hanging onto the grips, But our lower body is very tight to the bike, just like a jockey is to the horse. So when we're standing, our boots should be pushing in to the lower part of the motorcycle. And our inner leg up towards our knee, depending on your height, should be squeezing the bike fairly tightly. You shouldn't see any air between your boot and the motorcycle. And that's a good perch. So that's almost straight leg, Jim.
0: Okay, so what about your arms? Are you putting weight on your arms? As
1: minimal as possible. We ask people to hang on to the grips loosely. Um, An analogy is as if you have an egg in each glove and you don't want to break it by gripping the bars tightly. A human instinct that is very hard to get out of the practice of doing is white-knuckling the bars when that front wheel starts to wobble in loose terrain that we're going to encounter off-road. Sand, mud, loose gravel, snow. The instinct is to slow down and grip really tight with your hands. So in a great big gravel pit area, we call it stage one, we get customers standing up, and then when they feel the bike wobble, Give it a shot of throttle, just a little blip. That elevates the front suspension, puts the mass of the vehicle and your body onto the back drive wheel and allows the front tire to skim over the top of the loose terrain. We're not doing a wheelie, although that would be cool. We're just skimming across. What happens instinctively when you shut off the throttle sitting or standing, that front tire burrows into the soft terrain and it makes the steering worse. So we ask people to, to blip, drop, drop, a little handful of throttle every couple of seconds to get through that loose material. Now standing, just to divert a little bit, if we had a bicycle and we, were on pavement, standing beside it, and just pushed it quickly down the road. It would go in a straight line until it lost momentum, and then it would fall over to the left or right. Everybody would agree with that. Mm -hmm. What would happen if we took a motocross boot, filled it with cement, and strapped it to one pedal, and then pushed that bicycle down the same road?
0: It's going to turn towards the side with a boot on it.
1: Absolutely, that's physics. So now, stand up on your motorcycle. You're riding along in first gear, 10 miles an hour, 15 kilometers an hour, something like that. And if you take one boot completely off the peg while you're standing up, all of your body weight is now on the boot that's on the remaining peg. Your motorcycle will turn. We call it peg steering. And that's how advanced riders actually steer their motorcycle around roots and rocks and ruts. We don't use the handlebars for steering. We use our feet. Now, once you accept that that one foot on the peg works, what we ask you to do then is don't take your foot off. You don't see guys going through the Paris to car race with one foot on you simply shift your body mass forwards onto one boot or the other kind of like a downhill skiing technique for turning and the motorcycle will respond now if you're sitting down you can't peg steer as successfully it works a little bit road racing we do it into corners peg steering and you're definitely sitting down then but on an adventure bike We ask you to try this in a gravel parking lot. Stand up, get comfortable without a tight grip on the grips and take one foot off and see what happens. The motorcycle will steer. So that's another reason why we should stand up. We can control our motorcycle with peg steering much better while standing.
0: And all the time we're doing this, all the maneuvers while we're standing, we should be balanced on our feet, should we? We're using our feet to balance the same as we would if we were standing on the ground. Exactly. Yeah, that way we're not leaning on the handlebars, um, or we're not pulling back. And when you mentioned the standing or the standing position, you were mentioning about the, the sort of attack position. Can you talk about the, the how how the elbows are are bent and how the arms are set up yes. to absorb movement or to make up for movement with the motorcycle?
1: Exactly. Uh, That's one of the first things we do when you show up for an adventure bike course is show standing, get you to stand on your bike. And with the customer's permission, we may suggest adjusting the ergonomics of their controls a little. Because if you envision sitting down, if your brake and clutch lever are horizontal to the ground, if you put your hand out onto the lever and then stand up, you now have an elbow and arm up in the air and a very acute angle, almost a right angle, at your wrist and fingers. So what we do is we loosen the control assemblies and we tilt the front brake and the clutch lever on an angle down so that when we're standing, if our elbows are up, we're standing up, It's almost a straight line down to our hand. Our wrist is straight and we can maneuver the levers properly. Mm. We also sometimes will roll the handlebars forward a little because most mechanics, when they pre-deliverance inspect a new motorcycle, the handlebars are put on for the ergonomics of sitting down, not standing. So we'll roll them forward and that makes it much more comfortable when the rider's standing up.
0: And that's really when things get technical too, when you stand up, because when you're sitting down on the street, you, you can sort of get by, I guess, with maybe ergonomics that aren't perfect. In most instances, what I'm thinking, but I'm thinking when you get off road, you get into a technical situation, that's when you've got this big, heavy adventure bike that you need to handle. That's when you want to be right on it. You want to have it set up for that. Exactly.
1: And the better it's set up to your height and the ergonomics of riding off-road, the longer day you're going to be able to ride with less fatigue. If you hit a lot of ruts or potholes with a bent wrist, you're more susceptible to injury than if your arm is straight.
0: Okay, so I think that what we see most often when someone's getting the hang of standing up on the bike is that standing up seems to be something that's forced, whereas sitting down is automatic. So when the rider comes up to a a mud hole to go through or maybe a technical little rock section, a bit of sand that you mentioned, that's where they want to sit down immediately. How do you overcome that urge?
1: Uh, Practice. What we do is we take the seats off of their bikes and put a pile on No, we don't do that.
0: (laughs) That's a good idea, though, because that would certainly get it across, wouldn't
1: it? But it it comes with practice. Don't take people that have never ridden off-road into a great big muddy trail or deep, deep sand. It is unbelievably fatiguing and it's humiliating because you're going to crash. It's Mm -hmm. so foreign. An opposite how to control a motorcycle in that terrain than it is pavement. So work at it progressively. We don't even do a sand or mud lesson until the second day of a two-day adventure course. We want hours and a lot of miles under the belt of standing on just gravel or a forest trail before we get into really challenging stuff. Otherwise, if people aren't having fun and they crash a lot, not only could they risk getting hurt and damaging your bike, they're going to hate your course. Mm-hmm. So we really work at it gradually, build the platform of a good riding stance and get people comfortable with the wheel wiggling around a little before you throw them into a terrain where the wheel's going to wiggle a lot.
0: And, and this all goes back to um, what you were saying about um, about standing up and about being balanced on the pegs, because when you're balanced on the pegs and when you're standing up, that's when you can counterweight the bike, you can lean the bike one way, yet you're keeping yourself balanced on those pegs. And I think that's probably a really important point with all this, isn't it? To stay balanced on the pegs to stay neutral.
1: Exactly. Um, I don't know if we've talked about it before, we certainly have on videos and things, but Another skill that is enhanced when you're standing is very tight turns. So at 50 miles an hour, we could all take a corner on pavement and almost drag our knee leaning in the direction that the motorcycle is turning and the bike is leaning. You're one with the horse or the bike. Now we get in the off-road and we're doing four miles an hour on a tight turn. You cannot lean with your motorcycle or you're going to have to put your foot down or fall off. Then you add in the factors that in loose terrain, sand, for instance, or mud. When we do a sharp, abrupt turn at slow speed, the front wheel is going to slide out. So if you're leaning in the direction that you're turning, your body, you're going to fall down. So what we teach is create a V. We get you standing up. We get you to understand that your motorcycle leaned in the direction that you're going to turn will allow it to turn a sharper corner. And so you don't have to put your foot down. Let's say you're turning left. The left part of the V is the motorcycle. The right part of the letter V is your body hanging off the other side. So your left knee is hooked under the bike. Your right knee is a couple of feet away from the motorcycle. So your body is hanging off the tall side of the bike. And that allows you to do tight turns. It's called counterbalancing. It's very prevalent in trials because you're turning at full lock 90 degrees. So again, standing allows your body to hang off the bike better than when you're sitting down.
0: You mentioned uh, standing on the balls of your feet um, being the ideal position. If you're riding for a long time, let, let's say you were on a fire road or a logging road, some dirt road that had all kinds of potholes. You mentioned about Lawrence Hacking saying uh, about picking the right line. The the You you get a, a much better uh, field of vision, uh, a much better angle if you stand up on your pegs. One of the advantages of standing up. So you, you get to see what's in front of you better. You get to see the potholes. You get to see the rocks that are sticking up. Everything becomes more apparent as you stand up higher. So when you're doing that, is there a different position? I mean, is it okay to stand on the arches of your feet? Is it okay yes. to change things around? Talk about that.
1: Yeah. On a long day, I move my feet around a lot. Uh, one thing, an adventure bike will probably have a rubber insert that is removed when we ride off-road only because it exposes the steel serrated or aluminum peg.
0: Yeah, you're, you're talking a with mudder, the foot peg.
1: Yeah. So when those steel serrated uh, foot pegs and you're standing on them, if you don't have a good, solid, firm sole of an adventure boot, it's going to rip up a street boot or a hiking boot. And you're really going to have sore feet. You'll have to sit down because we're putting a lot of weight and pressure. So that's a key to adventure bike and riding. You need a good pair of boots with a firm sole. Um, I use a, a I think it's called a Crossfire, a CD boot. It's probably for motocross, but I spent another $70. And with CD boots, you can replace the sole. These neat screws unlock and put a whole new sole on. And I ordered the ones for enduro. So it's got a lot of grip on the bottom. Because if I fall off in the mud on a hill, I got to walk up that muddy hill to help a customer or to pick up my own bike. You can't do it in a hard sole motocross boot because they have very minimal tread.
0: What are some signs that we're not standing in the correct position?
1: Fatigue. If you're in what we call the second stance that we haven't talked about, we call it tiger position. That's a BMW instructor thing even though it's a Triumph motorcycle. The position, imagine a tiger or a puma or a mountain lion is coiled, ready to pounce. So with our body, imagine standing up on the pegs with your knees bent and your arms bent. Now we're using muscles to hold us in that position. You're going to fatigue a muscle way sooner than skeletal. So the stance that we do for normal off-road riding, where it's not really bumpy, it's not really sandy or muddy, is more of a straighter leg and a little bend at the back. That way your skeletal system is holding you up. When it gets bumpy and, and we need that coil of our body to be part of the suspension, we switch to tiger position. Which is, you have to growl when you switch to that, by the way, but bend your knees. And now we're using muscles so we can move with the bike.
0: And that's commonly referred to as the attack position, isn't it? I mean, I know you guys have changed that because BMWs have to be that special. You have to have that special name for it. But... but but the position you're, you're just describing there with the legs straighter, that's notable because I think a lot of people will will think that, well, you never do that. You always keep your legs bent. Well, you just can't. As we talked about, you can't do that for very long rides. You're going to get sore. And as yeah. you mentioned uh, just a minute ago, you ride in, in many different positions. I mean, your, your feet are all over the place um, in many different positions. So it's okay to stand there with our legs a little straighter on these straight sections the flat sections.
1: Absolutely. Even an aerobics instructor after an hour in the attack position is going to have very sore muscles. Sure. And the the most common complaint of someone who hasn't ridden a horse in a long time or an adventure bike the next day is the muscles in the back of the leg are locked up with lactic acid. So after you've ridden your adventure bike, you're taking your course, don't go sit down and have a beer. Walk it off for half an hour. And that walk off helps get rid of a lot of the lactic acid, which is the byproduct of using those muscles. And if you're not an aerobics instructor or a jockey, you're going to have really sore legs on the second day.
0: Are you getting into training horseback riding now or, or something? No, but you make, I, you're making a lot I of horse o- references.
1: I did a lot of it. Um, my father in England, his father trained horses. And then my dad would buy horses that nobody else could deal with. They'd bite and kick and just brain dead some of them, I thought. And uh, I was the first weight at eight, nine years old that my father would throw on the horse. And it he had it on a large rope and a circular ring. And when he thought it was ready for some weight, okay, Clinton, it's your turn. So I learned how to hang on. <laughs> Otherwise, I'd be thrown off
0: a lot. That's pretty good, you know, because that's a, that's just what I went through as a kid. Only It was my sister in this case who used to go and buy and sell horses. And she would take me as the tester. She'd say, rope that horse there, bring it over here, Jim, get on it. Oh, he didn't stand. Okay, get me that other horse over there. And that yeah. was, a, that was a, a good part of learning how to stay on an animal. Yeah,
1: but there's a lot of an analogy between mountain bikes horses and adventure bikes very very similar body concepts and the need to get a little throttle or light it up a little certain times it's very similar
0: can you talk a little about getting up on the pegs Uh, i'm 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 just going to describe i think what is probably the most common mistake people make when they're getting up on the pegs and that's to grab a hold of the handlebars and haul themselves forward somehow i'm thinking that's not correct
1: Yeah, the beauty of an adventure bike ergonomics are the foot pegs are underneath us. In contrast to, let's say you're on a big Harley uh, Road King, the foot peg as a cruiser-style motorcycle is way out in front of us. So if I'm on a Road King and I'm about to hit uh, a speed bump, then I've got to pull with my arms on the grips to get my body mass off the seat because I don't want to hit the speed bump sitting down. An adventure bike, or older bikes even, the foot pegs are directly underneath you. So if you're flat footed on the ground, try this standing. People listening can just stand up flat on the ground and then try to jump up in the air. You won't get much height. Now stand on your toes. Bend your knees and use the muscles to spring upwards. It's much, much easier. So that's an analogy that we use when people are flat-footed and try to stand up because we don't want you pulling with your hands on your arms. Use your legs. They're much stronger. You're going to wear out, and it can change the steering if one hand pulls harder than the other. So we say, have your toes on the pegs, Use the muscles in your feet, ankles, and legs to get your body up in the air and hold on to the grips loosely. As I said earlier, a natural instinct when we get off-road is to white-knuckle the grip. You can tell people loose grips all day long. It's instinctive. You can't combat that. That instinct of fear when we're holding on to something and we think we're going to fall or slip We white knuckle. So that's evolution. You're not going to change that by some instructor yelling at you, loose grips. So a trick we use is hang on to the lever or ride with two fingers. The two closest to your thumb should be resting on top of the lever. We do that, especially with a clutch, because when the bike gets out of shape, one of the best recoveries when you hear screaming in your helmet is to slip the clutch in a little. It doesn't matter if the throttle screams. If you take the power away from the back wheel, calmness will fit in. The beauty of riding with two fingers resting on the lever, you only have a thumb and your other two fingers, although some people may have more or less, depending on accidents or genetics. Whatever fingers you've got left, you're not going to be able to grip as hard with less digits. And that works perfect for adventure riders. They can't wait knuckle. Mm, because That just beats you up. If you watch motocross racing, um, a lot of top, top pros get what is called arm pump. They don't get it in practice when they're relaxed, but you know, There's 40 riders heading for a corner that will only fit six of them. There's a lot of pressure and stress there and danger. So they end up hanging on really tightly. That will actually restrict the blood flow from the arms down into your hands. And when you squeeze tightly and your knuckles go white, you're restricting blood flow. To the point where the muscles in the forearm, wrist, and hand, they'll stop working because they're not getting oxygenated blood. So arm pump for a racer, that's it. You must have put the bike on the trailer. You're done because it doesn't come back fast enough to compete. Adventure riders, we're not usually racing, but if you hang on too tight, it beats up your whole forearms. So we teach a signal to our adventure riders, shake your hands out. Stop first. (laughs) Don't let go of the bars as you're riding. But once you're stopped, shake your hands out and the blood flow will be helped by gravity back into the appendage. Really helps. Mm. And street habits don't transfer that well into adventure bike riding for gravel and sand forest trails. So I've always told people if they're going to, like the trip I'm doing in a couple of weeks, we'll be doing 250 kilometers the first day, 300 the next. The longest day is 600 kilometers, which is the last day. And it's predominantly pavement. But um, the organizers are smart enough not to put relatively new riders off-road on a 600-kilometer, 400-mile day in gravel, you'll just beat them up. And mm-hmm. they won't be able to ride or certainly won't enjoy the ride the second day. you have got to build up to it. That's why we only do 250 kilometers. What's that? 160 miles the first day. That's so easy. Lots of time to stop, have a coffee, take some pictures, stretch out your legs and your hands in case you were standing a lot. And that really helps people acquire the skills slowly.
0: There's one thing we didn't talk about as far as the standing position goes, and that's toes. Now I'm curious of how you teach this. Are you teaching toes pointed in? Well,
1: um, in order to have a good stance, you need your boots squeezing the side of the lower part of the motorcycle right above the foot peg. That requires the toes in a little bit or at least have your ankles tight to the bike in your boots. Definitely don't ride with your heel on the peg, your butt forward on the seat. What happens then is your toe of your boot is pointing down below the foot peg. I don't care what kind of boots you are, you'll break your foot or a toe. If you ride off-road in trails with stumps and rocks, or even just crash on your foot, the best boot is not going to protect a broken bone in that case. And I've seen dozens of people racing enduros who just had their foot too low on the peg, went through some, what looked like long grass, but there's a rock or a stump in So I would far rather hit that stump or rock with my foot peg. It'll knock my boot off the peg, but it's not going to break my foot. Mm-hmm. So it's very important not to angle your feet down low. Just like if you're really carving street roads on, on the Blue Ridge Mountain Parkway or something, you don't ride with your toes pointing down because that's the first thing that's going to hit the ground when you lean over.
0: Mm-hmm. And and so, toes out are, tend to grab things too, um, you know, as far absolutely. as grass and branches and things like that.
1: Yeah. I actually hit a stump once. I didn't realize I was this flexible. I was standing up, probably going too fast, trying to catch a younger instructor. We were just out testing some bikes. And I hit this stump. My boot gym came off the peg, kicked around, and my foot hit the back of my helmet. (laughs) And I almost crashed, but I hung on to it. But the boot mark, the scuff was on my helmet. I didn't like that's like gymnast material mm. and I am not that flexible
0: yeah, I'm curious what you felt like on day 3 after that
1: yeah oh boy was I sore yeah, <laughs> yeah. day 2 was very very sore but yeah. I didn't crash
0: wow <laughs> taking a short break so that i can tell you about a couple of companies that not only help make this episode possible but also have some great products that really impress me and i think they'll they'll impress you as well so stick around because after that we've got a lot more from clinton after this stay with us well this really fits in what we're with what we're talking about today about uh, standing on your pegs ims products foot pegs if you're running stock pegs or some inferior brand of peg you owe it to yourself to see what a quality peg will do for your ride. We're talking about standing up on your pegs. You don't want to be standing on your stock pegs, particularly with the rubber inserts in them. Um, you want a quality peg that's a, a, usually a larger peg, maybe a more aggressive uh, tooth design on it, a better quality connection between you and your bike. IMS products has everything from their ADV1 and 2 pegs, which are are very large, down to their core enduro pegs. No matter how aggressive uh, a style peg you need, IMS has you covered They make all their pegs in the U.S. They have a lifetime warranty, and I'm running them on my bike, so I can tell you with 100% confidence that these are tough, well-designed pegs. They always impress me. Have a look at their complete line of Adventure Foot Pegs at imsproducts.com. Make sure when you're talking to them, though, email, doing whatever. Mention that you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. That's imsproducts.com. One of the best ways to ensure that you're seen on the road is with auxiliary lighting. And uh, for tough, reliable lighting used by racers, you should check out Cyclops Adventure Sports. You probably remember we had them on here um, maybe a couple of months ago now. Cyclops Adventure Sports specializes in auxiliary lighting. It's what they do, including their new Raider CAN bus interface that they made for the BMW R1200GS and RTs. Cyclops also has LED replacement headlights and turn signals for your ride. Now, if you're not aware of what LED does for you, let me give you a few quick points, just a few. One, power. LEDs draw a fraction of the power, leaving you more power for things like heated jackets. LEDs are instant on and off, which means they demand attention. A quick flip of an LED switch on and off, or LED lights on and off, is almost like a flash. You see it like a flash. So it's another way of um, being seen, letting somebody know, know you're there. If a car happens to be drifting across into your lane, Now, that's not to mention the incredible illumination that LED lights give you, quality LED lights. I'll have to qualify that statement. um, If you find yourself riding in the dark, nothing beats it. Uh, It's just an incredible way to, uh, well, just ride safer. Anyway, Cyclops Adventure Sports. It's at CyclopsAdventureSports.com, lighting your way to adventure. And make sure anytime you're talking with them, dealing with them, emailing, whatever, mention that you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio, CyclopsAdventureSports.com. Now, I'm just going to mention one more before we get back to Clinton and the rest of our standing up. This is a company called Fast Company, two S's in there. And Fast Company makes the flex handlebars, which I've been running on my bike for some time now. These are really incredible bars. They actually flex up and down very slightly, like you'll find on some motorcycles will will have their their bars, so they're mounted in rubber. Anyway, this even allows a little bit more flex in the direction of travel as your bike hits a bump. In other words, uh, the fork goes up, the steering head starts to come up, and there's a slight flex downward. What that does for you is absorb vibration and impact. And the racers, you know, say that it stops arm pump up, but they have an an incredible feel for them and they absorb some of the vibration, which is really important if you're riding any long distance. Have a look at their flex handlebars at Fast Company. The website is fastcompany.com. Anytime you're dealing with them, make sure you throw in there. You heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. Um, Tell them that that Jim sent you over there because he's running them on his bike. That's fastcompany.com. Like us. We're all hey, let's go back um, and just talk about the, the standing positions uh, top to bottom. And maybe, maybe, maybe go right from the start, start from um, getting up on the peg and then what that standing position should look and feel like to the rider.
1: Yep, yeah, Try it on your side stand unless it's a 1981 BMW, which the side stands were notoriously weak and hollow. You should never have stood up on that bike. I know because I put three side stands <laughs> on my R100. Everything. Is this else, all 1981 BMWs? Yeah. Wow. Well, the one I had, um, and that's what the dealer told me, because I would teach standing on the side stand to show a few different things, and I would always crack. I ended up welding and putting a little bar inside when I first learned how to weld. That was the first job I did, sidestand repair. But if you've got good purchase under your sidestand, stand up while your bike is stopped and shut off and just get comfortable with those two positions we've talked about. Almost straight leg where you're squeezing the bike. And then when you're standing, take your right foot off the peg. And you should feel the motorcycle on the suspension move towards the side stand on the left. Then switch your body mass, right foot is on the peg, left left foot is off the peg. And the bike is going to rock back and forth. Then envision adding motion to this. That's how you're going to steer the motorcycle when standing, peg weight. Then try tiger position crunch down, be ready to pounce. Now our muscles are holding us in a bent leg position. So our body suspension, arms, elbows, knees, will help the horse go over the bumps. Same as the motorcycle. So then try riding around in a parking lot. Doesn't even have to be gravel, could be pavement. Try riding around standing in those two positions then throw down a two by four and ride over it and every time you go front tire is approaching it bend into the attack position tiger position then work your way up if you want to to a little bit bigger obstacle and then Try Once you've gotten comfortable with riding a motorcycle standing up, you're not white knuckling the grip by hanging on to it and you're squeezing with boots and knees, then you are ready for off-road standing. Find some gravel. If you're on a roadway, appreciate that the local people are going to be doing 50 miles an hour on a gravel road in their pickup truck you should not be doing 50 miles an hour if you've never done gravel before. So put your four-way flashers on, ride to the right-hand side of the road, especially around corners and holes, and get used to riding standing up.
0: So just one more thing, back to that standing position again, eyes and, and helmet position. Can you talk about that?
1: Yeah, same as sitting down, but standing up, your eye should be looking down the road or trail, and then it works back up your vision to see things. But definitely, you don't want to be looking right in front of your fender, because low hanging branches are going to mess you up, and you can't turn properly if your head is down. you got to have your eyes up getting the whole picture, whether you're seated or standing. It's the same.
0: Okay, and your arms bent as as you lean forward, your arms have to be bent because when the when you go over a bump, the bike the front end of the bike will come up and then when it goes over the bump on the other side, it will drop away. And if you don't have enough room to extend your arms, then you get jerked forward.
1: Exactly. So elbows up will help keep your back straighter, which reduces fatigue and uses your upper body for suspension.
0: Now, you already gave some tips on how to go out there and and practice yourself, but you had another one that you you do um, at your school for teaching people better control when standing up. What is that?
1: It's fantastic. What we do, it freaks people out in the beginning, but once you're comfortable with riding around slowly in first gear on a big bike in gravel, as our training area is, we stop and get input, applaud everybody saying you're doing great, don't worry if it's wobbling, give it a little shot of throttle. Then we ask you, we want you to try this. When you're riding, take one hand
0: off the peg. And for and comfort. One and hand security, off the grip, you mean, right? Not peg.
1: Yes, sorry. That was just a-cause <laughs> if you a had your hand to...
0: on the pegs, I'm just thinking, I don't know what you're teaching that's here, Clinton. You lost me completely there.
1: That's trick riding. <laughs> well, that was a test to see if you were listening to. Right, well right. done. Well done. So take your hand off of the grip and hold it a couple of inches away from the handlebar. So that leaves one hand on the bar. You're standing up. You're holding the bike by squeezing it tight with the lower body. What this forces is you to have a loose grip on the throttle because most people, when they stand, they're not gripping with their lower body. So they're hanging onto the grips too hard. When you only have one hand on the the throttle, you have to have it loose while standing because every input of acceleration or deceleration, your body is all over the bike. You're going to be kissing the windshield or falling off the back. So it forces you to grip really tightly. The other great thing about riding standing with one hand is the front wheel's going to wobble around a little bit. Just let it. It's finding its own traction. It's only moving a few inches to the right and the left. It's not going to go in the ditch. And one-handed riding will teach the brain that it's okay for it to wobble a little. Don't try and stop it. Give it a little shot of throttle. Now, when practicing that, if your bike keeps slowing down every time you take one hand off, switch hands.
0: Yeah, that's going to be a good one. <laughs> yeah. Yes. yeah.
1: Only take the left hand off. And right. then because it's only two inches away from the bar, if you lose confidence or it wobbles too much, your left hand is right back on the grip. Yeah. So maybe don't do it through a sandy corner or through mud puddles, but straight riding. That's where we do one-handed. And the confidence that the, customer receives after that one-handed lesson. I don't even remember if somebody taught me that or we came up with it. We've been doing it for years and years. I'd be interested to hear if other instructors teach that one-handed riding. We actually had a little girl uh, last week. I posted it on Facebook. I should send it to you, Jim. It's really cute. Her two little brothers were out riding dirt bikes, and she's sitting there with a very long face. So I asked the mom first I've learned that. Don't ask the kid, oh, would you like some cookies if it's okay with your mom? (laughs) So I asked mom, could I give her a complimentary lesson on a little ATV? And the mom said, do you think she'll be able to do it? I'm going, absolutely. No problem at all. I was guessing. And what I did is I suited her up. We only put one glove on. Then I pushed her around on the ATV in neutral and asked her to stop using the front brake only and steer. Then I started it up with a governor, so it went really slow, just in case she couldn't do it. And I got her to follow me around. And she rode the entire time with her right hand, because she didn't have a left hand. She only had one arm. And you should have seen her face when she did it successfully. It was
0: unbelievable.
1: She absolutely loved it.
0: That's really When we neat. were
1: talking about, Yeah, it just made me think about when we were talking about uh, riding with one hand. Uh, some people, that's their only option. We had a customer, his name's Joel, KTM 1090. He has no left arm. So he has a prosthesis. It's plastic. And he has a little hole in the end of it. He calls it his riding arm. So so he shoves it onto the stump of his arm and he puts the hole on his riding arm around um, what you would put, like attach things for your motorcycle, for your phone or whatever, that little ball that sticks up. So he gets a little modicum of control with his left arm, but not really. So his bike is equipped with a recluse clutch so he doesn't have to use his hand clutch mm. and he rocks this thing he's really an aggressive rider and really good wow uh, so, top, so how
0: how does it like does the arm pivot or something like that in the middle how how does it get uh, yeah it's
1: it's on a little ball but he, he's not getting much control or strength out of the out of his left arm right but it does help him a little bit he says but he told me a great story I'll relate He's practicing doing some wheelies where he shouldn't have been in traffic, just little ones. Fell off his motorcycle and a guy in a truck stopped and threw his four ways on and leaped down to help him pick up his bike. And Joel's left arm was still on the bike. <laughs> 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 so kind of freaked out the the good Samaritan. I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So it's... It's interesting that a lot of able-bodied people will whine saying, you know, my hands are sore from doing this. Yeah, shut up. You've got two hands.
0: (laughs) That's true. So, and any final thoughts on on standing in the foot pegs? Yeah, uh, practice
1: it gradually and don't take off. Um, We took two gentlemen on a trip to Baja and they weren't properly vetted. These poor guys rode Harley Davidsons. And they thought that'd be a fun adventure to go to Baja, California, on a seven-day ride. No one told them that it was all off-road. There was no pavement. So they rented BMWs in Las Vegas, GSs, and they showed up in Phoenix where we landed. And we took them out in sand and gravel. And after about half an hour, they'd fallen three times because they were grabbing the front brake when the wheel wobbled, they shut the throttle off. And I was riding sweet and helped them up. And I was trying to do a little teaching. And, and they both said, are we going to be through this gravel stuff soon? And I'm going, uh, no, the whole trip is this, which they didn't understand. But they didn't enjoy the trip as much as they could have had. They had some experience, even a one day course would have really helped them. Um, do adventure riding so if you're going to africa and renting a bike make sure you build up to it don't jump off the pavement and expect to enjoy your trip if you're doing all gravel
0: Mm -hmm. well clinton thank you very much i'll let you get back to getting ready for your yukon trip have fun
1: my pleasure i've got two tires left to do today and then i'm done okay thanks so much jim all the best
0: was clinton smout from smart adventures smart adventures they specialize in motorcycle training off-road riding atv and snowmobile training and certification programs from a year-round operation they have at the horseshoe resort in ontario canada their website is smartadventures.ca To finish up, I want to give a shout out to Max BMW Motorcycles at maxbmw.com, Best Rest Products at cyclepump.com, and Green Chili Adventure Gear at greenchiliadv.com. These companies help bring Adventure Rider Radio to you every week, and they all offer great products. Well, that about wraps up another episode of adventure rider radio. I want to give a special thank you to our producer, Elizabeth Martin. And if, if you happen to have a story that you think would be good for ARR, or you know of a story, maybe you run into somebody, you've met somebody on, on your travels. Our producer, Elizabeth makes it easy for you to send us your ideas. Just drop by our website, adventureriderradio.com, Click on pitch a story, which is located under the about us link on the website now, you can listen to this episode and all of our past episodes on our website or anywhere you find podcasts for that matter. But on our website, you can search for specific keywords. For instance, if you want to search for rider skills, we actually have a page for rider skills, but let's say you want to search for that. You just type in rider skills into the search box on the, uh, the right hand column of most pages and you're going to get results from that. So you can search for anything. We also have another show that we do called ARR Raw. Now, Raw is a monthly spinoff of Adventure Rider Radio that we do with our ARR travel panel. And now that's talking about all travel-related topics. Um, Great info from seasoned travelers as well as some good fun hearing the the group sit around and talk and, and joke about things. Now... You need to subscribe separately to that show so you're going to have to go to wherever you're getting your your podcast and subscribe to both shows make sure you do and give us a rating while you're at it anywhere you find them we certainly need that Now I have one final request for you if you if you get something from ARR each week when you hear it then please consider supporting. See, we've built this on a model of some advertising and listener support to make the whole thing work, and we need your support. Don't sit back and think that everyone else will because it doesn't happen. This show is downloaded more than any other show of its kind. As a matter of fact, it has more listeners, Adventure Rider Radio does, than 95% of all podcasts in the world. That's really incredible. More listeners than 95% of all other genres of all other podcasts. But even with all those listeners, only a fraction of a fraction actually support the show. So don't be one of those who think that others will do it. We need you. Support Adventure Rider Radio. Go to AdventureRiderRadio.com and click on support. Anyway, thank you very much for listening. I really appreciate it. Now it's time to get out there and ride your bike. I'm Jim Martin. Talk to you next week. I'm Elstuby Oelifier. I'm Michus Oelifier. We're from Pikki Pikki Overland. And you're listening to Adventure Rider Radio. <laughs>